you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Welcome to Season 10 of Biblical Counseling Today. It's good to be back with you, launching into a new area of help for the various struggles we have personally, as well as in our marriages and families. I'm dedicating this podcast season to the topic of communication. If you are a human being listening to me right now, you need help communicating God's way. If your spouses and children are human beings, they need assistance communicating biblically as well. Now, how can I be so bold to say that you need to grow in the area of communication? Maybe you are highly skilled in talking and listening. Maybe all your friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors are totally comfortable with how well you communicate with them. If any of that is true, you still have places to improve. Why? Because you are a sinner who is always needing to be sanctified more and more, even in the use of your tongue and your ears. For those who know me really well, up close and personal, you know that I am not the best communicator in the world. Sure, I talk for a living as a teacher, and as a counselor, I talk and listen for a living as well. So I should be much better at this communication thing, right? But sadly, I struggle, and mightily at times. I often talk too much and don't listen well at other times either. My wife can tell you that I can be rude and unkind with my words. I find it difficult to get my point across sometimes and find it hard to understand what others are communicating to me, even in my own home. Therefore, I need this 10th season as much as the next person does. I need to be constantly reminded about what God's Word says about communication. And believe me, it has a lot to say. So I encourage you to listen to the series on your own, focusing on the specific communication struggles you have. But you may also want your spouse to listen with you so you can actually practice communicating about what you are learning about biblical communication. This series will also be useful for your family to encourage and train your children, however old they are, to work on their communication habits. Isn't it such a marvelous thing when we are all communicating well, when we are speaking truth and love, when we are listening with a heart of compassion, when we actually take time to have vital conversations with one another? Unfortunately, we live in a time and culture that leads us in the opposite way of biblical communication, and our sinful hearts do the same. We will talk about all of that more as we get into this season. So let's buckle up and dig down deep today and begin the process of learning biblical communication. If we are going to talk about biblical communication, then it makes sense that we look first to see what God's Word says about communication. Yes, there are non-Christian communication experts out there that can give us some useful tips on how to better communicate with other people, but that's not going to be our starting point. 
We need to be immersed in Scripture in order to gain a biblical worldview of communication. So let's begin where we should begin in the beginning, in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Why do we need to start in Genesis 1 to properly understand human communication? Well, just as God is the creator of the world, he is also the creator of our communication. He is the one who gives us tongues to speak and ears to hear. He is the one who gives us the ability to communicate in the first place. He is, after all, a communicative God. From the very beginning, God spoke words. Because he speaks, so can we. Better said, because he speaks, so must we. So why wouldn't we learn all about communication from the Lord? Who else can teach us about communication better? And where else can we go to solve our communication problems? Well, let's go from Genesis 1 and jump all the way to the New Testament next, to Luke 6, verse 45. It reads, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what do we learn about communication in Luke 6, verse 45? Well, we learn a very basic communication principle that we must hold on to. Our words are simply reflections of what is in our heart, what is going on in our hearts at the moment. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Good words come from a right heart, and evil words come from a sinful heart. It is from the overflow of our hearts that we speak. Therefore, we learn a lot about a person just by the words he or she speaks. But what happens when we say something hurtful towards another and then quickly say, I didn't mean that? We will explore that question more in another podcast. But for now, from Luke 6, this just may not be true. We did mean what we said. We may just regret saying it. Our sinful hearts can say a lot of stuff we wish we hadn't said out loud. Okay, now let's turn to Proverbs 11, verse 9, where we read these words. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Well, this goes right along with the Luke passage, doesn't it? Have you ever tried to destroy someone with your mouth? Our words reflect our intent to either hurt someone or heal someone. We can destroy a person or help a person. This is the power of the human tongue. Ask yourself, are my words going to destroy this person's reputation, destroy his or her feelings, destroy our relationship? Or will they actually bring the healing balm to a person's life? to our relationship with one another. What we see over and over again in the Bible is how important communication is. Let's continue working our way around God's word 
In Ecclesiastes 10, it says this, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? Do you hear how our words are connected to our character? Wise people say wise things. Fools say foolish things. But also notice how the fool talks way too much. We will discuss over-talking in the future. This verse always convicts me because, as I said, I can talk too much quite often. Again, think about how the way we communicate demonstrates either godly wisdom or worldly foolishness. Then let's jump over to the New Testament again. There's these great verses from the book of James, James chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, we'll get back to the rest of it in a minute, but this is the most familiar passage about our tongues in the entire Bible. Let the analogy that James is making here settle well into your mind. You know what bridles and bits are, right? The connection between a bridle and bit is what we need to control an animal, a horse. Well, James is saying we humans need bridles for our tongues. We need the Holy Spirit to put a bit into our mouths so he controls which way we go with our communication. Left to ourselves, we will all stumble in what we say to others. None of us are perfect in our communication. Well, James has more helpful analogies for us when it comes to communication. In the next verses, listen to verses 4 and 5. Look at the ships also, James writes. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. What does a rudder of a boat do? That little piece of human technology controls the direction of the largest of boats and ships. So again, our tongues move us in a certain direction. They control our behavior, our relationships, etc. Even worse, James says that they are compared to a small fire that just keeps on burning. How many people have you burned with your tongue? There's still more, though, in verses 6 through 8. Listen to these verses. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, what strong words about our words. Do you recognize that your tongue is full of poison, that it can set the world on fire? 
Words are that powerful. Communication is that impactful. When we look at the world around us, we know this to be true. We see it daily in our media, whether in what is said on social media, through the medium of the news or entertainment media. Satan uses human communication to set the world on fire. Do you know that your tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison? Well, if you know that about yourself and others, then why are you ever surprised? Why are we ever surprised what comes out of someone's mouth or our own mouth? Because of your sinful heart, there is no way you can tame your tongue on your own. We need the grace of God to be able to speak the way God would have us to speak. Well, let's finish this important introductory passage, verses 9 through 12. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So we see the sad reality of our communication. Out of our mouths can come sweet and kind words, but then we can say some truly horrible things. As James says, this ought not be. Who is he talking to? But us as Christians. We alone have the resources and the power of God to communicate better than non-Christians. The question is, do we tap into that spiritual power or do we live by our flesh? Well, let's move on in our overview of biblical communication. What I'm going through in this first episode are the fundamentals we need to return to over and over again in order to solve any communication problem. Well, let's move on to 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 10. It reads this way. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life, and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, this passage is so rich, we're going to revisit it more in depth in the future. I just want you to hear how important it is for you to guard your tongue. Have you ever thought about the fact that long life and good days are connected to your words? Learning to communicate God's way is not just an optional thing for teachers or counselors or professional communicators. It is essential for our very lives. Refusing to learn how to speak and listen biblically will have consequences in our lives. Now let's go back to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Well, now think about what it means to be hasty in your words for a minute. Generally speaking, fools don't think before speaking. They just blurt out whatever's on their minds and in their hearts. 
Christians, on the other hand, are to give careful consideration before speaking any words. Are we good at that? Then, relatedly, there's Proverbs 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Wow, talk about a proverb to remember. Again, we're showing the difference between a wise man and a fool when it comes to our communication. What is a foolish man all about? Just giving his own opinion. Does that hit home with you? It does with me. We live in a world that just encourages us to always be communicating whatever we think and feel at any time, in any way. In contrast, a wise person is all about speaking the truth. A wise person actually wants to listen and understand others. Wisdom is so deeply connected to our communication because it's all about speaking truth and seeking truth. Well, let's just keep rolling with Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Here we have it again. What often happens when we speak too much? Well, we say sinful things. Showing restraint in our communication is often very difficult, yet this is foundational to godly communication. Then there's Proverbs 13.3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Now get those pictures in your mind. A person with a mouth guard and a person with wide open lips. Which one will come to ruin? It's pretty obvious. A person who is proud of just speaking his or her mind is one who's willing to keep his or her mouth wide open. Just think about all the things that can come out of a wide open mouth. Just one more proverb, Proverbs 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Again, it's pretty simple. The old adage, think before you speak. So why is that so hard for us? It goes back to the reality that our words come out of our sinful hearts. We need to deal with those first before we can deal with our words. Well, now we'll travel back to the New Testament again, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now we'll spend much more time on this important verse in another podcast, but it is one of our most necessary biblical communication basics. Our word should always give grace to others. Let me say that again. Our word should always give grace to others. Sadly, we all speak in corrupting ways with rotten words that just tear down. You know you need God's grace. We all need God's grace for salvation. Well, we need that grace that godly communication brings into our lives so that we can give grace to others. Now, listen to Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. There it is again. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Again, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to what he's just said to the church at Ephesus. Why do we season food with salt? 
for taste, for preservation. In the same way, our speech should be tasty and preserving, not tasteless and decaying. Then listen to 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Now here, Paul is writing to Timothy, his young son in the faith. In the days of youth, it is very easy to be quarrelsome with our tongues instead of patient and kind. I know I was much more this way in my teenage years and my young adult years. Yet as Christians, we are to strive to tame our tongues. That's part of our maturity. Our communication is supposed to reflect the creator of communication. How? In grace and peace. Well, Paul has more to say about communication in Ephesians 4, verse 15. Again, these very familiar words we have used throughout biblical counseling today. It reads, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now, remember, this verse comes in the middle of Paul's teaching on Christian maturity. If you are growing in Christ, you will speak the truth to others. But how you speak the truth makes all the difference in the world. How are you to do it? In love. Our truthful words must be in the context of a loving relationship. Communicating truth without love will be received as harshness, hatefulness, judgmentalness. It will not help, even though it is the truth. Speaking in loving ways, yet not saying truthful things, will not help either. It may seem to help a relationship, but it will end up destroying it in the end. Now let's go back to Proverbs 17, verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now what does it mean to restrain our words? Holding our tongue shows wisdom. But don't miss the last half of this verse. What is a cool spirit? Our words must be spoken in calmness and peace to be effective. Then there's 1 Peter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Peter reminds us that our words are meant to bless others instead of curse them. But notice the context here, how we speak to someone who has cursed us. Do we want to bless someone who has spoken evil to us or of us? Not usually. But that's part of what makes biblical communication distinct from worldly communication. In our natural state, we want to curse those who curse us. They deserve it. God's way is supremely better. Then there's 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Here again, the Apostle Paul talks about how we are to speak in a way that pleases God, not other people. 
Do you spend time thinking about how your words are heard by the Lord, not just by other people? God is the God who hears, and God is the one who knows our hearts. Well, in this last segment, let's briefly look at what God's Word says about how we are not to speak. We'll go back to Proverbs again, Proverbs 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. As we'll spend more time talking about in weeks to come, lying is something that God completely hates. So instead of just thinking how lying impacts another person, do we stop and consider what it does to our relationship with God? Next, there's Colossians 3, verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Well, if you think about it, that's a pretty nasty list, isn't it? Paul tells the Christians at Colossae that they are to get rid of all this sort of talk. We'll dig more deeply into this passage in the future. But again, let's remind ourselves that God cares about the things we say. Next, a short verse, Romans 3, verse 14. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Well, here, Paul is talking about non-Christians. Notice how he says that their mouths are full of curses and angry words. Our mouths should be full of gracious and loving words. Then there's Ephesians 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are all out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Here we have more communication that should be avoided by the Christian. Why do you think we are to avoid filthy talk and crude joking? Well, Paul says that these are out of place for the believer. What sort of talk should be coming out of our mouths instead? Thankful words. Now let's go to 2 Timothy 2, verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. What do you think Paul means by irreverent babble? Irreverent is the opposite of holy or righteous. To babble is to speak nonsense. This sounds like what comes out of the mouth of an ungodly fool. But also notice that our words just lead us more into ungodliness when it's irreverent and it's babble. Here's another convicting verse, James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now you know this verse, but this is a great summary of godly communication. Listen more than you speak. Watch those angry words. If we were all better listeners, more thoughtful in our words and controlled our emotions well, what great times we would experience together. Now let's pop back to Proverbs 29, verse 5. Again, the Proverbs teach us so much about communication. This verse reads, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. What is flattery? This proverb is saying that we use flattering words to entrap or to manipulate other people. Christians are not to engage in mindless flattery. 
Now we'll talk about this more, but this is not the same as praise or kind words. Flattery is meant to trap others, not love others. Then there's Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. This proverb actually describes slander well. It is the revealing of secrets to other people with the intention to do harm to a reputation. This is also not God's way of communication. All right, let's go back quickly to James 4, verses 13 to 16 for another good principle that reads, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. According to James, what are we not to say? We are not to boast about what we are going to do in the future. Why not? Because only God knows the future. In other words, James is saying that our words either show pride in ourselves or they show submission to God. It's one or the other. Okay, now let's briefly run through a few things of what we should be saying according to the Word of God. We go to Ephesians 4 again. Ephesians 4.25 reads, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. What are we supposed to speak to our neighbor? The truth. More specifically, though, Paul is telling us that Christians should always speak the truth to one another, to other believers. Then there's Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and and you be found a liar. This proverb reminds us why we are always supposed to speak the truth. Because God always speaks the truth. To tell lies is adding to the word of God in a bad way. It's always a bad way to add to God's word. Our words are vitally important to God and this world. Then back to Ephesians 5, verse 19. Paul says in the middle of a sentence here, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Have you ever thought about how you speak to other people with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Well, songs are just words set to music, right? In other words, even our songs must communicate truth to other people. Well, here's one of my favorite communication principles, Psalm 150, verses 1 to 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you have breath? Then you should be using it to praise the Lord. One of the best things you can do with your words is to give praise to God. 
Well, let's end our time today with just one more verse in the Psalms. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a great verse to memorize, a great verse to sing, a great verse to live by. It's a prayer that should guide all of our communication. Our words are to be glorifying to God. As Christians, we should be striving to please God with all of our words. If he is your rock and redeemer, then your words should be used to bring him praise and glory, not yourself. So on this essential foundation, we'll be looking at many, many specific communication issues this season and how to solve them biblically. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.